Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. There's a meme going around, and I don't know if you've seen it, and it says, does anyone else feel like 2019 has just reset who you are as a human being altogether? And I really, really feel that this year. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 37. In this episode, I'm joined by Tracy Reed to follow up on the plans and goals she shared in episode three of the podcast. Tracy faced a fork in the road earlier this year, and though she is actually scrapbooking less often, she is more energized and productive than ever. You will love this one. But before we get into the conversation, I do want to give you a heads up that on Thursday, October 10th, I will be emailing out details about our 2020 Simple Scrapper Retreat. Registration will open on Tuesday, October 15th for members and Wednesday, October 16th for the public if there are seats remaining. If you don't already receive Simple Scrapper emails, you can sign up at simplescrapper.com. And now on to episode 37 with Tracy Reed. Hey, Tracy, how are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I am fantastic. I am excited for our conversation today. You were on one of our very first episodes, and I'm excited to circle back, follow up with you, and see how your year has gone, and talk about this idea of how do you finish the year strong when sometimes we don't even remember what our plans were at the beginning of the year. So just for a brief refresher, can you just share some of your basics and introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. I am Tracy Reed, and I have been a designer of scrapbooking products for, oh my God, 15 years next month. (laughs) I have been a scrapbooker since I was nine years old, so I have lots and lots of scrapbooks. And I've gone back and forth between digital and paper scrapbooking um, for the last 15 years. And uh, nowadays, I am a paper scrapbooker, and I designed product for Simple Stories mainly. I do still have a printable shop that I'm hoping to revive someday, but <laughs> it hasn't happened this year so far. All right. So what's what's been exciting you in recent days? I know you've, you know, one of the things we're going to dig into is like how your productivity has ebbed and flowed. And I know you've still been very productive in your YouTube channel. Like what is lighting your fire right now in scrapbooking? Um, right now I am 
I'm still loving. So I switched to nine by 12 at the beginning of the year instead of 12 by 12 scrapbooks. And I am loving that orientation. And what I found this year in changing the way that I scrapbook, and I think we talked about this the first time around, um, is I have been creating scrapbooking spreads for the most part, rather than scrapbooking pages. Now, whether that consists of two pocket pages next to each other, a pocket page and a nine by 12 or a nine by 12 and a six by 12 or a six by 12 and a pocket page, or, you know, all of the endless possibilities there. Um, looking at my album as a cohesive spread rather than just one-off individual scrapbooking pages has really um, changed the way that I scrapbook and really excited me in a way that I haven't been excited about scrapbooking in a long time. And it really, it feels funny because um, scrapbooking a spread rather than scrapbooking a page is not a new idea. This is not, this is how we used to scrapbook, right? We would create a two page spread for our birthdays and our events and things like that. And um, that's how everybody scrapbooked. And then it seems like uh, more in recent years, you know, in the last decade or so, especially in the digital scrapbooking world, you kind of moved into one-off pages and, um, you know, one at a time scrapbook pages instead of spreads, probably due to the sort of like the interface, you know, it's easier to work on one page at a time sort of a thing. Um, so like going back to a two page spread, isn't like a, a new idea, but the way that I've been incorporating it into my scrapbooking has really, um, revitalized the way I look at things. Well, and I love that you're approaching it with this perspective of this is fun. This is a way that I can combine different formats together and really just think of it more holistically. And how can I make these pages beautiful? Not uh, how do I have to make these pages match? Which I think that negative thinking is what kind of one of the reasons people started to go away from it is I was tired of trying to figure out how to make the left and the right coordinate. And now you're approaching it with just that the idea that this is just a blank canvas of possibility. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't always like generally to make things coordinate, I kind of use similar product or a kit that I've pulled together, but I don't, I don't always say, okay, well, I used navy blue on this side. And so I have to use navy blue on this side. In fact, I rarely look at it like that at all, especially since even though I'm creating a two-page spread, I'm still attempting to look at each page individually and have them work together. So if you ever watch my YouTube, most of the time, um, even when I'm working on a spread, I only film one side at a time because I found that if I was attempting to approach both pages at the same time, um, I was cutting corners. I wasn't being as creative. I was trying to get it done rather than trying to look at the page and, and really express my creativity in it. So, um, yeah, it's like a, it's a balance that I'm trying to, to create there while, you know, making sure things look pretty across the spread, but also, you know, this is its own individual page and I want it to shine as an individual page too. Well, there's got to be also some kind of a productivity advantage there because you're really batching by really making two pages at a time. Even if you're not literally making them at the exact same time, by making them together, you're you're saving a little bit of energy and time there. <laughs> yeah, the problem with that being that... Uh, by creating spreads rather than one-off pages, I am doubling my work. Like, 
I, yeah, I, I could put all of these pictures in a pocket page and be good with it. But no, I'm going to pull these two pictures out. I'm going to make them bigger and I'm going to put them on a nine by 12. And then the rest of these pages can go or the rest of these photos can go on the coordinating pocket page. And so now I've got two pages to do where I could have probably just done one. But, you know, I really love these pictures. So they deserve their own page and they deserve to be really stand out, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. I guess, in a sense, my productivity goes up if I'm looking at them together, but also I'm I'm doubling my workload. So I think it cancels itself out. Well, I think, <laughs> though, if you go back to the perspective, how do I say this? I think you're doing a... a, a uh, you This approach is very evolved, is what I want to say, is that <laughs> by choosing one or two photos to emphasize and honor that gives you permission to then make other photos smaller and make that a supplement to it. Whereas I think right. maybe in the past we were dealing with say all four by six photos and maybe, you know, for every one or two or three photos, that would be a whole page in itself. So what you did in one spread could have been four or five pages if someone was working True. with all four by six pictures. That's true. I don't ever work with four by six pictures. So that is true. You, I have to be able to like nine by 12 is a very actually constricting size. It is, yeah. Um, that, that three inches that you lose horizontally is a big deal when you're working with four by six pictures because, you know, a nine by 12 and a four by six picture, if it's a horizontal picture, you only have three inches on either side of the, or on both sides, you have one and a half inches if it's centered, Correct. you know, to work with on either side. And so I never, I, I, my, my photos are generally three by five or three and a half by five and a half if I want a little bit bigger, but I, I'm finding that I like the three by five size a little bit small, like a little bit more than, than the three and a half by five and a half, even that half an inch really makes a difference size wise for the page. Well, and I think it's just kind of scaling it all down. Whereas the four by six can fit well on that 12 by 12 canvas, you're just scaling it down proportionally. So it feels mm -hmm. more spacious. Right. So shifting gears here, one of the things we've introduced since you were last on the podcast is a new bucket list tool. And what this is, is a download to help scrapbookers identify 12 stories that they really want to tell before they quote unquote, kick the bucket. So these are 12 more important stories that they really want to make sure aren't lost to time. So do you have one story that you know that you want to tell? Like what's on your memory keeping bucket list? Um... There, so there are a few, I, I scrapbook about myself a lot. Um, I'm probably pretty rare in, in the fact that I actually scrapbook about myself more than my kids. Um, so for me, I, I feel like I tell my story a lot. I don't really have a problem focusing on, you know, how I'm feeling and what I'm, you know, going through and my accomplishments and things like that. But there's like... Even though I've been scrapbooking since I was nine years old, there's some childhood things that like I've never scrapbooked or I've never approached that I think would be kind of cathartic mm -hmm. to get out on the page. Like, you know, everyone has their own little childhood issues and childhood traumas and things that I've never really, uh, you know, scrapbooked or told the story of that I think could be helpful for future generations when, you know, I'd like to scrapbook those when I'm ready to. And I feel like I've made such a transition. There's a meme going around and I don't know if you've seen it. And it says, does anyone else feel like 
2019 has just reset who you are as a human being altogether. Yeah. And I really, really feel that this year, both personally and professionally and, you know, family wise, like I just feel like a completely different person than I did at the start of the year. And so I feel like I'm finally getting to that place where maybe I can approach these stories and put them on paper um, in a way that is cathartic rather than traumatizing, I guess. Well, that's for sure. And I think it really shows how when you're you're doing the work to strengthen yourself as a person on so many different fronts, how that makes us more prepared mentally and emotionally for digging deeper into some of these stories of our past. Yeah. This um, month, Allie Edwards released her story kit and its family. Mm-hmm. And um, initially I was like, okay, well, family, that's, you know, cliche. We scrap about our family all the time, but I was listening to her overview that she always does every month in her classroom that comes with her story kits. And, um, she was talking about how she struggles with, um, or she has a complicated relationship with her dad and that really, really hit home for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I feel like I felt like that was going to be, one of the things that I really need to get on paper while I'm in it and while, you know, the struggle is real kind of a thing. So I want to scrap up these things, not because, you know, I want to throw my dad under the bus or anything like that, but because I think it's important for people to understand that you can um, have a complicated relationship with someone because my kids are going to have complicated relationships with me. You know, it's just, it is what it is. And I think it's important that you, to get that down, like, yes, I have a complicated relationship with this person, but I still love them and they're still important to me kind of a thing. And I think, you know, if someday my kids ever do happen to look at these journals that I call scrapbooks, um, you know, it might help them someday if they're having a complicated relationship with me or with my husband or with, you know, their kids or whatever. So there's some stories I think that are, would be really cathartic that I really want to get down before I kick the bucket. <laughs> yeah, no, my brain is now churning because I think we, we tend to jump into obviously what's easiest, what's surficial, and we do put a positive spin on things because that feels good. That's part of how we, you know, uh, express our gratitude because that, that's really how I see, see scrapbooking is this way that we celebrate all that's good in our life to help us, you know, cope with all the stuff that's maybe not so good. But it doesn't right. mean we can't also use this as a tool for processing some of the things that are you know, under the surface that are there and that are just as much a part of the story as the good stuff. Right. So yeah, my bucket list would include all of the hard stuff. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I think that's a great transition into one of the things I want to talk about today. And that's, we've, we, we go, we set out the year of all the, having these goals for what we want to accomplish creatively, but how do you maintain that momentum and creative energy? How do you, you know, keep going throughout the year when the year has ups and downs, we've got different things going on in our lives. There's going to be ebb and flow. And how do we honor that yet still kind of maintain progress with our scrapbooking? And one of the reasons I wanted to have you back is because you set out all these different projects that you wanted to do at the beginning of the year and kind of shared this um, almost accidental productivity, I guess. You kind of had planned to maybe pull back and then you ended up just really feeling this burst of energy 
But I also think there's this this misconception that as a scrapbooker in the quote unquote industry that we must scrapbook all the time. And that can be true, but it's not necessarily always true because just because we create things for scrapbookers doesn't mean that we have our own personal stuff together. And I wanted to kind of dig into some of that. And yeah, I'm just excited to kind of set the stage here and help people kind of come up with a plan on how they can finish strong and maybe even have some tips for starting next year, really kind of understanding how things ebb and flow throughout the year. (laughs) All right. So can you start by reminding us what your plans were at the beginning of the year, at least to your recollection? Okay. So at the beginning of the year, I transitioned to nine by 12 scrapbooking and I quit Project Life. Um, And I quit Project Life well, let me let me put a caveat there. I didn't actually quit Project Life. What I quit was the pressure of weekly documentation. Um, I felt like my Project Life pages were boring. I felt like the process was boring and I was just bored. So I, I gave myself permission to quit Project Life and put it back into my albums if I wanted to. Um, then, so I, I, I went down to 9 by 12 because I thought, a nine by 12 would um, challenge me in a way that I hadn't been challenged before. I was looking for something new. And I also went um, to mostly, or in my mind, what was going to mostly be full page nine by 12 scrapbooking. I also have my story journals, which are traveler's notebooks. um, And I had those planned and, and um, added to my, my workflow as well. And what I was going to use those for was telling my own story um, in a more personal way than I would include in a family scrapbooking album. Um, my, my plan was to scale back on how much I was scrapbooking um, because I wanted to tell better stories, more important stories instead of all the stories as that's like as far as my recollection goes, because that was almost 10 months ago now. But that's what I feel like the gist of what I wanted to do was. Now, did I actually do that? <laughs> no, I have scrapbooked more this year than I have ever scrapbooked in my life. And I think it's because um, the way that I'm approaching scrapbooking has really revitalized the way I feel about it. And um the new format has revitalized how I feel about it. And to be completely honest and, and lay it all out there, I have a YouTube channel that I have to keep content on. So that is motivating for me as well. You know, I have to make sure that there's something there at least like I was doing every day, but now I do every other day and I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Um, but that's what keeps me motivated too. But no, I don't scrapbook every day. In fact, um, I know we're going to talk about this in a minute, but um, there's things that have come up for me this year that has that have made me super way more busy than I've ever been. So I tend to scrapbook maybe once or twice a week. I tend to batch scrapbook on the weekends, which I find to be um, more 
make me more productive than trying to scrapbook every day as well. I'm curious how, like, if you think about your, how you feel right now, we're towards the end of September, you said 10 months in, how did you feel September 25th in 2018 about kind of what you had accomplished over the year and how your kind of your weekly approach to project life was making you feel, I want to kind of compare that to, you know, so a year ago, where were you? Um, I was bored, probably. I was bored and burnt out and feeling the pressure to create for the sake of creating rather than for the sake of wanting to. Um, I know that uh, I was on the Coco Daisy design team and I'm still, I still work for them, but in, um, I ch- exchange services for them now instead of design team services, which has relaxed my, um, my requirements for them. And I'm much happier. Like I still love, I adore their product. That's why I I still work with them. But um, the pressure of being on a creative team was too much for me. And even though I loved creating with their product, I was feeling like so much was expected of me. And and it was all 100% my expectations of me. (laughs) Like me trying to keep everyone happy, including myself, including YouTube, including Uh, you know, the people I was working for, in addition to my regular creative job, my job is creating scrapbooking product, my job is drawing, my job is creating stickers, my job is creating patterns. And so I was just so very steeped in um, all scrapbooking all the time that I was feeling really burnt out at the end of last year. And that is why I changed what I was doing. And I made you know, I, I scaled back and I, or at least I attempted to scale back and I changed what I was like the way I was approaching scrapbooking because it was either that or, or be done. And I've been scrapbooking since I was nine years old. So no, I'm not ready to be done with scrapbooking. So this is so fascinating. There's just, on so many levels here. So, I mean, this, the pulling back led to, I mean, you, you you posted on Facebook this morning that you feel like that you've created this whole new life for yourself. And, and part of that is in scrapbooking and part of that is in your own kind of health and fitness journey. So right. just today, I feel like I feel so lucky that I get to talk to you today because you've <laughs> officially lost 100 pounds. I know it's crazy. And that's yeah, just so many congratulations to you for the the perseverance and and going on that journey because it is not only just this several year journey but a lifetime journey that you've just begun. Right. Yeah, it is um I've taken the steps to, you know, lose the weight that needed to come off, but really maintaining it and, and staying on the, the healthy track is, you know, like you said, it's a lifetime thing. So yeah, I've hit that milestone of a hundred pounds, but you know, keeping it off is, is a whole other journey. A hundred percent. So have you found that all of this energy you're putting into yourself, did that, did that take time away from scrapbooking or was that fitting into the time maybe that you weren't spending Or did it give you more kind of actual energy so that you could spend your leisure time doing creative projects? Or was it some of both? (laughs) I think what it, what it's caused for me, um, I, I've been on this weight loss journey for three years, right? So for the first two years, all the way through March of this year, it was just basically, I mean, it was Weight Watchers, which is just basically calorie counting and nothing else. Mm -hmm. And then 
in March, um, my friend who was getting married in July, my best friend was like, Hey, you want to go to the gym with me? And the rest is history. Like seriously, it went insane from there. Cause no, I did not want to go to the freaking gym. Thank you very <laughs> much. But I went right. Yeah. And then I went the, ne- the next day. Well, I, so in the beginning I was going every other day. So then I went the day after that. And then eventually she stopped going to the gym, (laughs) but I was still going to the gym. And then I started running and now I work out every day, whether it's running or going to the gym or some days I just need a break, but um, I have an Apple watch and I have a a ring streak that I am not going to, not going to end. So I'll take the dogs for a walk if I need a break and, you know, just close that, that move ring. But Um, Yeah, every day there's exercise and it, I think it did a couple things. It helped me reprioritize, not necessarily, it didn't necessarily take away from my creative time, but it helped me to say, okay, this is my priority. I have, I have three priorities. One is family, one is work, and one is, um, you know, myself working out and and doing what I need to do to not just lose weight. It's not just about losing weight. It's about being the best me that I can be. It's about smashing goals. Like in March, I started running and I couldn't even run a minute straight. And now I run a 5k every other day. So it's about that kind of stuff too, not just losing weight. And so I have those three priorities and then everything else is just icing on the cake, right? So my scrapbooking is a hobby that I love and adore, but it is not a priority for me. Um, It is not the most important thing in my life. So how do I change the way that I approach scrapbooking in a way that's going to fit around my priorities? And what that ended up looking like is instead of scrapbooking every day, which is what I was doing, um, now I scrapbook twice a week, probably. Um, sometimes if I have time in the evening and I feel like it, I will scrapbook. Um, but mostly I'll scrapbook on the weekends and I will do six or seven layouts at once if I feel like it. And then I will, you know, schedule those on my YouTube and then maybe I'll miss the next weekend because Patrick and I go hiking a lot. Um, and then I will just, you know, do it the weekend after. I don't stress about it. I let the creativity come to me when it's ready and when I have the time. And I feel like that has been so freeing as far as my scrapbooking creativity has, you know, changed. And, and it's like, because I'm not forcing it, because I'm only doing it once a week or maybe twice a week, um, when I sit down to do it, I enjoy it so much more. I love that. You one of the things that you posted in your Facebook post today was about how oh, let me find the quote here. You felt like you had been working yourself to death to afford a lifestyle that you didn't want or need. And so mm-hmm. you moved across the country from California to Tennessee and okay. it, I'm just wondering like how how did you get to that point? And was, do you feel like this is all kind of intertwined together as part of just going more towards the life that you really want to have? 
Um, yeah, so obviously California is a very expensive place. And where we lived in California was, well, I mean, it wasn't the Bay Area, but it was still a really expensive place. Mm-hmm. And um, my entire adulthood, so um, backstory on me, uh, if you don't know who I am or my story, um, I got pregnant at 19 and had my oldest son um, pregnant again at 21 and had my middle son. And then I had another one um, when I was 26. And when I was 19, um, I had to find a way to support my little family, right? Um, my husband was employed, you know, underemployed. We were both kids. So we were, of course, underemployed. Um, so I started a business designing scrapbooking product for digital scrapbookers. And um, starting your adulthood as a broke couple with a baby and then another baby within two years um, is, you know, not a really great way to build wealth. <laughs> um, but my my desire, and I think it was rooted in security more than um, location was to raise my kids where I was raised and where I was raised was an upper middle class suburb of Sacramento, great schools, um, beautiful neighborhoods where they would always be safe and I would never have to worry about them. Um, And I think it was more about feeling like I could take care of them than you know, actually wanting to live where I grew up. Um, But I didn't realize that at the time. And I worked my butt off building a business for um, 10 years until we could vaguely, barely, if we really, really tried hard and didn't spend any other money, live where I wanted to live. And um, we spent three years doing that. And um, it just got progressively harder and harder and worse and worse until we were, um, I had gained 75 pounds and we were drowning. And it was either scale back and live somewhere where I did not want to live in California, or our other option was to move across the country and live somewhere we, where we had never been before, but the cost of living was a lot cheaper. And so that's what we chose to do. And in choosing to do that, um, I feel like the biggest growth and the biggest change has been not only financially, but within us or within me and who I am as a person and letting go of a lot of the things that were, um, I thought that I wanted, but I did not want Wow, I think that's such a powerful story. And I'm sure there's so many who can identify at being either at the before that in the middle of it or having experienced that themselves. That we have, you know, we only have this one life and we have everything is a decision about is this taking me in a direction that's good for myself and my family or is this not? And how we approach, you know, our health and fitness, how we approach our lifestyle choices and how we even approach our creativity is all intertwined with that. Yeah, well, I mean, I can tell you that um, I love I love and adore California. In fact, we are going back 
um, on vacation next week. And I am so very excited. I adore California. I did not adore trying to, it wasn't even keeping up with the Joneses. It was keeping up with this imaginary vision that I had for my life and what I thought was important. And when I discovered, when we moved out here and I discovered that all those things that I had worked so hard for that were literally killing me were not important, even in the slightest, not even close to important. And all I, all I did was torture myself to achieve them and still end up in a place where I was just absolutely miserable because those things that I thought that I wanted were so far from anything that even matters. And you know what? All of this is perspective. I had no idea about any of that until we moved out here and I basically started over and became, and it took a couple of years, like we've lived here for a couple of years and it took me a lot of realizing and thinking and finding out that, um, figuring out what was making me miserable before I could, you know, really approach the way that I was living in California and what was hurting me. And then once I figured it out, once I realized that I was just absolutely killing myself for something that didn't matter, it was like a light turned on and I was a completely different person. And that really happened at the beginning of this year was, And that's why I think my fitness journey and my health journey has just dramatically changed so much is because I just became a completely different person with that realization. Well, I think when you make a big change in your life, sometimes you you have a sense of loss, like you're you're not in California, this is what you're giving up. Um, And yes, those things are still true. But when you shift your perspective and your mindset to this is what I have gained in the process, all that Mm -hmm. rest, as you said, just fades away and you realize it wasn't really important anyway. No, yeah, it wasn't important at all. And it's, it's just such a strange, like, you always hear when you're a kid, you know, someday you'll understand and you'll be older and wiser. But like, as you grow up and you get older, you don't always feel wiser. So when like all of a sudden you're looking back and like, you're like, holy crap, like that is, I feel like I learned something. I feel like that there is wisdom in this journey that I've gone through. It's like, wow, (laughs) like I cannot believe that that is actually something that like I thought about and, and, and came out of my my brain and my, and like, I've actually hit this like catharsis and that I never thought that I even knew I needed. Well, and sometimes it could be small things too. And you think like, gosh, how come nobody told me about this? And like, it's, it's, it's so hard to translate that experience. You just have to have your opportunity to go through that and learn. And then you're kind of, you graduate to part of the club. Like, yeah, I get it now. (laughs) Yeah, there's things that no one can tell you. No one could have taught me that lesson. That is that is something that you have to go through to to really learn. But man, when you're in the thick of it, <laughs> you're wishing somebody could have taught taught you it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's this. Sometimes it could be this abstract sense of struggle. Like you don't, you feel, you feel tension, you feel anxious, you feel struggle, but you don't exactly know what it is. You're just, you know, you're trying yeah. to get to the other side of it. Yeah, and you gain 75 pounds in the process. So you have to spend three years working off. 
<laughs> do yeah. you think that this this experience, and particularly the, I don't know, you said the light bulb moment that you had this year and the, the transition you've made this year, has it made your scrapbooking, even over the course of, of these 10 months, more real, more authentic than it was in the past? Like, how has your storytelling changed? Um, yeah, because it's more... <sighs> I can only, I'm the only person that can tell my story, right? Nobody else can tell my story for me. And I, and I can't tell my kids story either. I can just tell my story about my kids. Um, so I have definitely been scrapbooking about myself, like to the point where I had to put a disclaimer out on, on Instagram because I was worried that people were thinking that I was just this narcissist, but like I, I told I, what I said was, this is the year of me. Like, I didn't intend for it to be the year of me, but that's what this has turned out to be. And so um, I'm telling my story this year, and my story is good, and my story is bad, and my story is light, and my story is dark, and there is struggle, and there is success, and there is pain, and there is suffering, and there's all kinds of things that are involved in my story that need to be told if nothing for nothing else than just for me to get it out of my brain and onto paper. And so it's not, you know, weighing my soul down or on my mind anymore. Um, so I feel like what I've created this year has just been so much more honest to who I am. Yes, I still create the, you know, I really love you kid pages and you're so you're so awesome at school kid pages. And hey, look at me, this is a really great selfie pages. Like I still create those. But there are so many more pages that are like, I can't believe that I, um, I did one that was, I can't believe that I'm a size eight. I've never been lower than a size 12 in my life. Um, I did uh, a few traveler's notebook spreads about some tough times that we went through in May and um, just things that I normally wouldn't put out there are now on paper. And looking back at them, it's funny because I, I, I took a break from scrapbooking um, while we were going through some tough times in April and May. And so there was a couple of months there where I didn't scrapbook. And so what that ended up doing was I got a little bit behind on my monthly roundup project life spreads. And so I batch processed a bunch at once, but I realized a couple of weeks ago that I had missed one and it was from March. No, from April. It was from April. And, um, the way that I've been approaching my albums is I'll print all the pictures um, every couple of weeks just to make sure that I don't get behind in that process too. Um, and I was also writing down journaling for my project life because I really like my project life journaling to be in the moment rather than looking back. So I sat down yesterday actually to scrapbook this April project life spread that I had missed. And so I had all this journaling and April was the beginning of my fitness journey and the beginning of my catharsis and the beginning of all of this. And so looking at the journaling from that time period was fascinating to me I bet, because yeah. I, I feel like a different person. Like that was a completely different person that wrote all that down. And it was just amazing to me how much has changed and how, um, and I was honest then and I'm honest now, but I'm a, I'm a different person. Like I was talking about, I had a picture of me at the gym and I was talking about how freaking hard it was to do the things that I consider like a warm up now and how I was feeling like 
um, I, I, it's just, it's just so different. It's just, it's fascinating. So yes, I'm definitely more honest in my journaling now. And I feel like my, my albums are more real because they're more about me and less about, Oh, you're such a cute kid. And I really love this picture I took of you. And it's one of 18,000 pictures I've taken of you in your lifetime that I wanted to scrapbook, you know, like there's only so much you can say about your kids, cute pictures. And so when I'm telling my own story, I feel like it's more of an authentic look into our lives. I'm curious, when you're working on that April spread, did you only include the perspective from that time period and really try to jump back into old Tracy? Or did you include any of the new perspective you had? Because you are scrapbooking it from, you know, future perspective. Um, I added journaling to where I needed to add journaling, like stories that I hadn't told. But no, I didn't change the perspective because, like I said, I like it to be um, in the moment, my journaling to be in the moment. But I find I I tell now and then stories a lot in other ways. And um, my 100 pound weight loss will be a now and then story. And I'll approach some of the the same um, topics that. I approached in, you know, that project life mm-hmm. spread or um, there's a, a spread that I haven't done yet about the race that I ran in July and the journaling in that is also very much a now and then and look at how much has changed since, you know, even just a few months ago kind of a thing. So I, I do a lot of scrapbooking that is, especially when I'm telling my weight loss story, of how I felt then and how I felt now and what has changed besides just physically, what has changed mentally. And and I think I approached a lot of that in the Facebook post and it's also an Instagram post. So if anyone is really interested in this Facebook post, we keep uh, referencing, it's also an Instagram post. And if you just go look back at, you know, find a picture of, of really fat me and picture of not so fat me, you'll, you'll find the journaling. But I, I think I approached that in the, the Facebook post too is how, how much things change and how mentally I've changed rather than physically, because yes, obviously I've lost a hundred pounds and I've changed physically, but my God, the mental journey has been so amazing. Will that journaling that you included on social media become part of your scrapbooking? Absolutely. Okay. Probably with that picture. I often, um, especially when they're really cathartic posts like that, um, I put it out there on the social media because I've always been really transparent with my journey. Um, and I like to continue to be transparent, not because I want to brag, but because there's, I, I get so many messages and there's so many people out there that struggle with the same thing that if I don't mind being transparent and if I don't mind um, putting it all out there, then I'm going to do it because um, it might just help somebody. Oh, I can raise my hand there. You've been super inspiring to me over the past few years. So, and I think that's, yeah, that's, that's why I share as well. And I know that sometimes it can feel uncomfortable to talk about particularly, you know, the way you look before and how even even the way you look in the moment and how uncomfortable you feel and what you want to achieve in the future and, and to share mm-hmm. your struggles and your ups and downs and this, that sometimes this is hard and you, you, you backtrack and, and it's, it's hard mm-hmm. to get back up again. But I think every time we share like that, it does help other people, even if it's just one person, it's worth it because we all are on this journey together and it's, it's never going to be perfectly easy, but it does get easier. 
Right. So what I share on social media is for me, it's my thoughts and my, Mm -hmm. my processing of, holy crap, I hit a hundred and hundred point one pounds today. Like that, that was all my processing of that, but I share it with other people too. So it's absolutely 100% going to be journaling when I approach this page and the journaling that I put on, um, the picture that I shared on social media of me running the race is the journaling that went into the scrapbooking page too. So it's kind of like a preemptive, like, let's get this, let's, let's vomit these words out while I'm feeling them. And then when I'm ready to scrapbook that page, I'll just scroll back and find the journaling kind of a thing. So we've talked a lot about how your process has shifted along with your own personal journey and the projects that you've still been working on. I'm curious that in in this all this letting go that you've done of, you know, uh, out you know outdated or expectations that aren't realistic for yourself, and all the letting go you've had to do of your past and and the life that you wanted to live. Were there any projects that you had to let go of because they just didn't fit who you were anymore, or is that something you feel like you already did at the beginning of the year? Um, I definitely did that when I let go of Project Life. Mm-hmm. Um, I more than letting go of projects specifically, I let go of my my need to do a project or my need to scrapbook something specific because I felt like there was an expectation mm-hmm. that I, cre- I had this YouTube video up. Like um, I have a bunch of series that I've done over the years of different kinds of ways that I approach scrapbooking, like um, the traveler's notebooks and um, wreck it Wednesday, which is something that I just revived. And I, when I f- would first create these series, I would feel like there was an obligation to be consistent about it. So if I, if it was Wednesday, then I needed to have a Wreck-It Wednesday video up. If it was Tuesday, I needed to have a Traveler's Notebook t- uh, video up. Just not because anyone was expecting it from me, but because I was expecting it from myself. And I had set up these expectations that I would be consistent in this way for whatever reason. And I let go of a lot of that. So um, I did Traveler's Notebooks, I think through April. And then I took May and June off. And then I did a Traveler's Notebook in July since it was my birthday month. Um, And then I haven't done one since. I didn't do one in August. I didn't do one in September. I might do one in October. I might approach a, a sort of October daily sort of feeling. And only because I love... Halloween so much. October is my freaking favorite month of the year. And I'm just so mad excited about October that I might end up, you know, having enough to have a traveler's notebook, but I am not going to um, worry about the expectations that I mainly set for myself. And I'm fully aware that I mainly accept, uh, put it, put them on myself because I'm an overachiever. Um, but I have really let go of the need to create to fulfill these expectations that I was putting on myself. And that really helped me to, um, when I didn't feel like I needed to create like a traveler's notebook spread, then I wanted to create a traveler's notebook spread. When I didn't feel like I needed to create a project life spread, then, okay, well, I have all these random pictures that need to have their stories told. Um, so I'm going to do it anyway. But, you know, there's going to be less pressure on me now. So I actually want to do it. I ended up doing 
project life monthly rather than weekly. This really reminds me of the, what you said earlier about letting go of being on the Coco Daisy creative team, because like, even though, yes, you had actual deadlines and you have actual deadlines that you set for yourself in your own business as well, but just mm-hmm. in terms of letting go of real or perceived expectations of others has really kind of given you more creative freedom and excitement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like I, as much as I love her, I am no Allie Edwards, right? There's not people that are hanging on my every word and, and desperately waiting for my, you know, my December daily or whatever. And I think part of what I was attempting, especially um, before I let go of all the, you know, the California expectations was not being Allie Edwards, but being somebody, mm. like being somebody important in this industry, like striving for anything. Like I'm, I'm never going to be Allie Edwards, but maybe I can be myself and be semi-important. And I didn't, like I let, that was one of the things that I really let go when we moved. I really felt like I needed to pull back into myself and figure out what I was doing all of this for. And when I realized that I was trying to be somebody, but like, I don't need to be somebody. I just need to enjoy my life and make sure I put food on the table and make sure my kids are safe and protected and happy. And like, and take care of myself. Like that is all I need. And if I'm trying, spending my whole life trying to be somebody, then what, like, what's the point, right? Why? And so that was one of the things that I let go when I moved here. And I felt, I feel like now that I'm no longer trying to be somebody, like, I feel like I'm, I am who I am and I'm, I'm finally me. Mm-hmm. I guess. And so th- that was another expectation that I had put on myself. And it was just something else that was ridiculous. Just, you know, the perfectionist tendencies in me are ridiculous sometimes. Well, no, so as a, a fellow uh, recovering perfectionist and overachiever, I, yeah, that really hits home. Because um, it's it's hard to reconcile this that the desire to to be somebody i mean that really hits it on the head um whether that's in scrapbooking and you know i had this like i had a career in washington dc before i moved here and i chose to give that up i could have like been somebody in that world but i didn't want to work 60 hours a week and not mm-hmm. have a life and a family and but then there is a trade off i'm i'm not i'm not somebody in a in that type of professional career and but it's it's that same shift in perspective what we talked about earlier that that mindset of here's sure I gave up these things but here is so much more that I gained in the process and I am yeah. someone to myself and to my family and my community and that's what really matters the the professional success that we're kind of breeded to to seek maybe isn't that important after all yeah we are all somebody right just yeah. because I'm not you know, some scrapbooking superstar doesn't mean that I'm not 
somebody. And in fact, I think I'm more somebody than I ever was when I was trying to be somebody, right? I mean, and honestly, do you think that Allie Edwards was ever trying to be somebody? No, Allie Edwards is just a freaking rock star and she was born that way. Like, <laughs> it just is what it is. And so, God, I'm just, it's it's interesting when I just start talking about this because I, I say things and I'm like, holy crap, that is the truth. And that I did not even realize until I just said it. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, okay. yeah, we all need a little talk therapy to figure out what's going on and to to take that next leap in our journeys. I Throughout this whole episode, I was thinking about, okay, over the past couple of years, I'm sure there were so many different things that set you up for just that one little linchpin of your friend saying, hey, let's go to the gym that actually made you say yes instead of no. You know, it's not like it was just this year. It was just, there's this always a journey that leads up to making a decision to go down a different path. Right. I think part of that was uh, the realization that I was spinning my wheels. And well, at least as far as like the health journey goes, I was spinning my wheels and losing and gaining the same 20 pounds over and over again, because I wasn't really, I wasn't really um, trying like I, I would try for a couple months and then I would get tired of it. And I realized that if I didn't change what I was doing, like nothing would ever change. So like well, I had I to think, get to that place before and I had to be ready before I could, you know, say yes to the gym or whatever it was. I think when you're only restricting your diet, it doesn't create a lot of wiggle room for when you want to have a burger bender, like, I mean, there's, there isn't a lot of what you have to be strict. Otherwise you're going to keep going off. And as you said, gain and lose the same 10, 20 pounds. Um, but I think having right. this, that increased level of fitness, uh, just takes things to a different level to help help you make decisions and to compensate for when you want to have the, you know, the sugar covered donut at the festival or whatever. I think it was, it's not just the, um, yeah, I burn a lot of calories now so I can yeah. and eat more. Uh, but it was also a shift in mindset as well. Um, I also got off Weight Watchers mm -hmm. because um, I felt like, I, I, for me specifically, Weight Watchers was creating disordered eating. And... Um, I started counting calories and on top of my points, just, I just did it for a week just to see, right. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't losing weight. So why was I not losing weight? I had to be eating more than I thought I was eating. Well, no, I wasn't eating more than I thought I was eating. I was eating 800 freaking calories a day. I was hitting my points, but I was eating 800 calories. And while um, the whole starvation um, mode thing isn't a thing. Like if you eat 800 calories every day, you're going to lose weight. Uh, what that was causing was binge eating. Mm -hmm. And I was having um, Saturdays were my day off of Weight Watchers. And I was drinking so much alcohol because I was miserable. Um, and I was eating so much food because I was starving that it was just negating any progress that I was making. And so I um, got off Weight Watchers because it was disordered for me and um, started counting macros and calories instead. And I learned so much about nutrition since then that it's just like second nature to me now to not binge eat because I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at and I'm not starving myself. And I understand 
what this nutrition is going to do for me. But I had to like um, get to the place where I could do that. And part of that was going to the gym that one time Mm -hmm. and realizing that, um, hi, I'm walking on the treadmill and I, and I've lost at that point, I had lost 50 pounds and I was walking on the treadmill and I was so freaking tired that it was ridiculous. And I couldn't maintain any sort of stamina for weightlifting. Um, I started running and I was absolutely so dog tired. I couldn't run for a minute straight and not because I was super overweight, but because I literally was starving. And so um, I had to get to that, that catalyst was going to the gym and realizing, hey, there's something wrong here. There's something that I'm not doing correctly if I am this tired. And um, it, what I wasn't doing correctly was feeding my body appropriately. Super interesting. I think there's just, there's always people want to be told what to do, but you have to listen to your own body and it will tell you one way or the other. My body was screaming. My body was like, hi, no, we can't do this. No, we're not going to do this. If you are going to keep starving us, like there's no way. So, yeah. And I think there's also like this, the idea this word starvation here, like has so many other contexts too, that like, you know, when you're singularly focused on one, one, one journey or one mode of something, you're starving yourself of other opportunities to grow, whether that's on your health journey or elsewhere. Um, yeah. And kind of trying new things, shaking things up can, and I think you did that with your scrapbooking too. You're like, I'm, I'm starving creatively. This isn't working for me. Or with your life in California several years ago, I'm, we're, we are starving for, for sanity and security and we have to do something different. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's when you kind of make those choices and say, I want to feel filled up and what is it going to take for me to get there? Yes. And Amazingly enough, mine involved moving to Tennessee and changing everything about my life (laughs) in order to feel like I wasn't starving anymore, whether it was food wise or or creative or creatively or uh, everything. I just I feel like I left California on this like wing and a prayer and we moved somewhere. We had never even set foot in Tennessee. We had never set foot anywhere other than California. I mean, like, obviously I've visited other states, but Tennessee wasn't one of them. And we just went on a wing and a prayer and it has been the most life-changing, amazing thing for us that I can even imagine. Like, it's just been amazing, but it's not because we changed locations necessarily. It's because it changed me. It gave me the room to breathe. I was working like 80 hours a week and I couldn't breathe. I couldn't keep up. I was drowning in everything. I was drowning in debt. I was drowning in work. I was drowning in stress. I was drowning in food. I was drowning in everything. And I feel like this is the first time in my entire adult life that I've actually been able to breathe and be who I am and not constantly struggle with everything. I just felt like everything was a struggle and I was like doggy paddling and trying to keep my head above water in every aspect of my life until I said enough, enough is enough. We are not doing this anymore. I am not 
doing this anymore. So, so with this kind of uh, newfound lightness in so many ways, what, like, what's on your agenda for the rest of 2019? So that's, it's, uh, well, creatively, it's really interesting that you asked that because I'm struggling this year with, uh, well, I struggle every year, obviously, because that's what we've been talking about. But I've been struggling this year with um, approaching all of these end of the year projects like December Daily and um, what am I going to do next year and how am I going to finish out my albums for this year? And and I, I just I've been thinking about it a lot lately um, and the expectations that come with it. I've done, done December Daily the last few years and now my YouTube is expecting December Daily. And it's just it's so stupid, the things that go through my head, but it is what it is. Um, and this year I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm tired. I like, I love December daily, but December daily becomes such a production for me because, uh, I don't do it in the way that it's intended. Like there, this is just my regular day in December. No, every day is Christmas in December and we're going to document it. Um, and some years it's really, really fun for me and I love it. Like uh, two years mm -hmm. ago, it was really, really fun for me. And I, I adored my December daily and I just, and I adored like exploring Tennessee and all of the things that Tennessee had to offer for all of its Christmas festivities. But then like last year I was tired and I didn't want to do all that. And I wasn't really feeling Christmas last year. Um, Christmas and I have a complicated relationship. Uh, so I wasn't really feeling Christmas. There's a story for your bucket list. <laughs> right. I have a lot of complicated relationships and some of them are with not people, <laughs> but, um, anyway, so like I'm struggling this year with, do I want to approach December daily? Am I going to live up to that expectation or am I going to do it because I actually want to do it? Um, and then how am I going to approach next year? And, my albums and I really feel uh, vaguely guilty about like having these teenagers that don't want their picture taken and so not taking their picture <laughs> like how am I going to incorporate my kids into my scrapbooks next year or you know am I going to just scrapbook about myself until the end of time and <laughs> like I, it's been a really interesting like I don't know where I go from here because it's just been such a growing process this year and a change in the way that I approach things and what I'm scrapbooking and and the stories that I'm telling it's like do I continue in this vein or do I reel it in and try desperately to make my teenagers lives of staring at uh, computer screens interesting again <laughs> like what do I do and so I, I don't know like I'm gonna finish out my album the way that I I'm doing it because I, I adore it but where do we go from here is kind of like the big question like am I gonna do this again nine by twelve as much as I love it um, I have so many pages from this year that I'm gonna need at least four albums and that's that's insane. But would go That's a lot of albums. Right? Would going back to twelve by twelve change that? No, probably not, because the reason that I have that many albums is because I've told that many stories and we've done so many things. And twelve by twelve would not change the amount of stories that I'm telling. So what do I do about my album size and the fact that I created four albums worth of pages this year, or, or at least by the end of the year, I will have created that many pages. Well, I'm curious, what if every other page was a story from a past year so that that, that could go in a different album? 
well, the thing is, is that I've been scrapbooking since I was nine years old. So like I've, I've documented those years. There's not a lot of, you feel like, you feel like you're caught up to whatever respect that you actually could be. Any sort of story that would be like what I told this year that I could tell about years previously wouldn't be authentic to me because I'm not living it anymore. Like I can do, I can do perspective layouts. Like this is how I felt in 2016. And this is how, this is my perspective on how I felt then now, but I wouldn't put that in my 2016 album. That would be a, like a 2019 page for me because it's my 2019 thoughts. You know? Sure. Yeah. No, I've d- certainly done some of both, depending on where it felt like it fit. The other thing that I've done, and this is almost the opposite problem, but but it does connect well with the the teenagers not really wanting to have a lot of photographs. That when you feel like you don't have enough for a whole album, like I have a couple years where they're all in one album together, and like this is a period of time in our life for whatever was going on, and I'm telling the story of these three years together. Um, so I think that's, that's an all, maybe not the best approach for you, but somebody out there listening <laughs> might find that helpful that, you know, particularly if you're scrapbooking the past, you can group years of time together. Like I have a set of albums for there's four albums and they're organized by the library of memories categories. And this is 2008 to 2011. It's very clearly a specific period of time between when I got married and when I had my daughter, lots of stories. These are all my digital layouts and that's one period of time. And then I have another album that has, it's like 2015 to 2017. That was another period of time in my life. Um, right. So it's a different way of like grouping things. So it feels less, so there's less of that pressure to feel like you have to complete a single year. You can feel like, okay, this is a time in my life. And you may actually feel like, okay, I'm in the middle. So you make one spine right now. It says 2019 dash blank. And then you change that spine later when you finally feel like that story has been told. For sure. And that would be like, if I were to, I, I think we talked about this um, in the last interview like where I lost all of my digital pages Yes, because for whatever reason. So if I were to go back and try to re-scrap those things, I certainly would not be concerned about um, approaching it in a project lifestyle or approaching it in a I must scrap all of the pictures style. I would definitely go back and say, okay, these are my 40 favorite pictures from 2008 and I'm going to scrapbook them and I'm going to talk about what I remember or I can pull off past journaling too because I do still have my layouts in the Sweet Shop Designs Gallery that Mm -hmm. I can pull journaling from. Um, But I would never, ever try to approach um, previous years in the way that I approach current scrapbooking. Never, ever. That would be insane. Well, no, and it's almost impossible to to do it in the same way. You will always have a different perspective than if you had done it live. And so you have to kind of adjust your expectations and approach on that if you are trying to scrapbook the past. Right. All right. Do you have it like I guess to close things out here, do you have any other advice for those who want to kind of I don't even know how to ask this question now because of all the different things that we've covered like I know I feel like this has been 
Tracy bearing her soul hour. <laughs> well, I, I deeply appreciate that because I mean, you, I've always known you to be very transparent and honest. And I'm, I know that's going to resonate really well with our audience who are going to see themselves and, and in parts of your story for sure. So what advice do you have for others who want to maybe make a change in their life and take this time in the last three months of 2019 to get started on that journey? Oh, gosh. Um, I think with any change, whether it's physical, whether it's lifestyle, whether it's scrapbooking, whether it's, it's anything, people are always waiting for the right moment the right, when it feels right, when they're motivated, that is the biggest thing I hear. Um, I need to work up the motivation to lose weight. Um, I, like I said, there's, I get a, a lot of people talking to me about weight loss nowadays, since it's such a big part of my story right now. Um, and I, I hear that a lot is I'm, I'm just not motivated right now. I don't, I don't feel like I'm in the right place. And what I always tell people is, you will never, ever be in the right place. You will never be able to maintain any sort of motivation. Um, a motivation is not what causes change. Motivation might be the thing that gets your foot out the, the front door, or it might not. But what the only thing that matters when you're trying to make any sort of change is commitment. I'm committed to this goal of um, scrapbooking my mother's wedding, like these heritage photos. I'm, I'm committed to this goal of learning a new style. I'm committed to this goal of losing a hundred pounds. Um, commitment and determination is the only thing that will ever cause change. And if you wait around for motivation, then it's just, it's not going to happen. And motivation will fail you as well. So just start, just make the change. If you are feeling tired of the way that you've been approaching scrapbooking and you aren't feeling creative anymore, then um, who cares if it's the middle of 2019 and you want to change album sizes, just do it. Just do it. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you uh, do what is going to make you feel alive again, whether it's creatively or physically or mentally, just get it done. Just start and approach every day or every scrapbook page or every creative pursuit as a new day. And don't let, if you, um, you know, if you went three months without creating a scrapbook page, then that doesn't mean you have to wait another day. That doesn't mean that uh, if you, you know, didn't go to the gym today, that doesn't mean that tomorrow you have are are going to be a failure. You know, you don't have to let those kind of things define you. Um, there are, I, this was a three year process for me losing weight. There were many times where I stopped and went backwards. There were many days where I didn't go to the gym and I certainly didn't want to go to the gym, but I went the next day because um, once you start doing something, it becomes a habit. And once you're in the habit of something, whether it's, you know, practicing brush lettering or going to the gym or whatever, it just becomes a part of who you are. And once it's a part of who you are, then it's not so hard anymore. It's not a big deal to make time for it. It's not, um, 
you know, a big scary thing anymore. It's just part of who you are. It's also not a big deal when you maybe have to step away for whatever reason that is. Like we always talk about you are, if you haven't scrapbooked in three days, three months, or even three years, you're no less a scrapbooker just because you haven't done it. If you're, you know, you're a scrapbooker because you have scrapbooked and you're going to scrapbook again in the future. Mm -hmm. Well, Tracy, this has been so amazing. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. And for everyone out there listening, I want you to remember you have permission to scrapbook your way. 